Welcome to What to Expect When You're Electing, the Samara Center for Democracy's one-stop shop to get you election ready. At the Samara Center, we know how noisy, frustrating, and confusing elections can be. We also know how hard it is to get trustworthy and nonpartisan information about elections. So we're here to help. Each week, me, your host, Yvonne Sue, program manager here at the Smart Center, will be joined by a guest, and together we'll take you on a journey through the entire election experience. For those of you who don't know the Samara Center, we are a nonpartisan charity dedicated to strengthening Canada's democracy. If that work sounds important to you, please consider donating to the Samara Center because unlike the other podcasts you're listening to, this one is not sponsored by a mattress company. So throw your dollars at us. We'll take it and put it towards strengthening our democracy. Welcome to the final explainer in the What to Expect When You're Electing series. This week, a look at Canada's new parliament, what happens next, and how you can stay involved. We are lucky to have Dr. Paul Thomas on the line. Paul is the Samara Center's Senior Research Associate and an expert on minority governments. Hi, Paul. Hello. So, Paul, let's just jump right into it. What happened on election night? So, we had uh, Canadians across the country coming out uh, to cast their ballots for their local representatives, so who they wanted to represent them uh, in their constituency. And what we saw was that uh, there was a bit of a a disconnect between how the votes were cast uh, locally and how they were cast uh, across uh, the country as a whole. So some parties uh, won won large shares of the vote in uh, different parts of the country, say like the Conservatives in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Um, And then other parties had sort of narrow wins, the Liberals won more seats, but they tended to, to win with narrower margins. So the Conservatives actually won a greater share of the popular vote, but fewer seats. Um, and the reverse was true. The Liberals won more seats with fewer votes. Um, and that's part of how our parliamentary system works, because we're not uh, looking at the national level. We're looking at who has the most votes in each of our constituencies going on uh, to Parliament. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is so the Liberals came out with the most seats uh, and the Conservatives weren't far behind. They're sort of the two biggest parties. And then there's two uh, parties that came with a smaller share of the votes. The Bloc Québécois had 32 seats uh, and they're another one where at the national level they didn't have many votes. Um, but because all of their votes were concentrated in Quebec, they did quite well. Um, the NDP had over twice as many votes as the Bloc but because they were so spread out across the country, they wound up with fewer seats, uh, just 24. Uh, The Green Party had three, and uh, we actually had one independent uh, succeed this time around. A former uh, Liberal MP, Jody Wilson-Raybould, was re-elected as an independent in Vancouver Granville. And the People's Party, which was sort of the other major one, uh, didn't actually win any seats this time. Okay, thanks for that update. Um, Something else that's been on a lot of people's minds is representation. So um, what does our new parliament look like in terms of representation of minority groups? So we saw um, some marginal progress, but uh, generally a lot of stalling in terms of uh, progress towards getting parliament to look more like the country. Um, So there were 10 more women elected uh, in 2019 as compared to 2015. So the proportion of women 
uh, MPs has gone up from 26% to 29%. And I mean, that's, that's certainly progress, but it's a very slow rate of change. So at the current rate, it will take well over 50 years to actually reach oh my gosh. Uh, parity. Um, the proportion, though, for visible minorities um, and Indigenous people actually stayed the same. Um, from So we have 3% of MPs who are Indigenous. Uh, we have 14% of MPs who are visible minorities. Um, and the proportion of immigrants um, stayed all stayed the same, uh, which, I mean, it's good that it didn't slip backwards, but it is um, considering that we have fewer, uh, the proportion of MPs doesn't reflect the proportion of, uh, say, visible minorities in the population. It shows that we have some more work to go. Um, and some of our past research has shown that one of the major barriers uh, in this process is nominations. So it may be time for parties to look at whether they're actually nominating candidates from these communities, and especially nominating them in constituencies where they have a good chance to win. That's a really good idea. Um, and Paul, for those who still aren't clear, who won the election? So no party really wins the election in terms of forming government. Uh, we have a parliamentary system, and so we elect MPs to go off and represent our constituencies in Ottawa. Um, in the parliamentary system, the, what we have is a government that's formed by a party that can maintain the confidence, uh, which is a fancy way of saying the support, of the majority of MPs. Uh, we, the government also doesn't stop existing when an election is called. So Justin Trudeau was, was prime minister before the election. He was prime minister through the election, and he's still prime minister now. So what it looks like, though, is that he, his party, the Liberals, have won enough seats um, so that they're likely able to continue with the confidence, uh, keeping the confidence of the MPs to stay in power. The big difference is that before the election, they had what's called a majority government, where one party alone had more than 170 MPs, which is more than half of the MPs that are there. So they could just, by their own party, have a majority. Now they have a minority government, which means that the Liberal MPs aren't enough to keep the support. So they're going to have to work with other parties in order to get their agenda through and to make sure that they keep that confidence in order to stay in power. Okay, well, that's great that you've described what a minority government is, but some other people before the election have talked about a coalition government. So what's a coalition government? So a coalition government is uh, something where you have a situation like a minority. Not One party does not hold uh, a majority of the seats. And rather than having um, to put together a way, uh, I guess a group of MPs to support each and every different item, they decide that we're, two parties decide that they're going to govern together, that they will combine forces, uh, usually to get a majority of MPs, and to do that, they share power. So they actually have um, both parties represented in cabinet, both parties having ministers, and making decisions together. What we have now, what um, the Prime Minister has indicated that he's going to do, is rather than having a coalition government with another party, uh, he is going, the Liberal government, is going to work on an issue-by-issue -issue basis. Uh, so they're not going to directly share power with other parties, 
but because they do need those extra votes to get to the majority of MPs to keep the confidence of the House of Commons, they are going to have to collaborate. So we're, we're going to have collaboration, but not coalition. But collaboration is good, right? Collaboration is good. It's some of the, um, the most productive governments in Canadian history have been uh, minority governments. So healthcare, for example, was created by a minority government led by Lester Pearson. Um, Same-sex marriage was legalized uh, during a minority government led by Paul Martin. Um, we had uh, long-lasting minorities under Prime Minister Stephen Harper. So you can have some good collaboration going, and it's something where hopefully uh, the government will be able to listen to a broader set of views and not just push forward its own agenda. That sounds good to me. And I think some people are asking, now that the government is formed, that's it, right? Citizens can just sit back and relax? Uh, I mean, if they could, if they want to. But the beautiful thing about our democracy is that it keeps going um, between elections as well. So now we've picked the people we want to be in Parliament, but we can still talk with them. We can participate in government consultations on new legislation. We can support advocacy groups that might be championing one cause or another. Um, we can even go and protest if we think that there's an issue that isn't getting enough attention. And most importantly, we can have an ongoing dialogue with our MPs. And that's going to be especially important in a minority context because we're going to have different parties working together. So some of the items that are going to come forward may not have necessarily been um, part of the platform of the MP who won in your local constituency. And so you might want to let them know what ideas that other parties had that you would like them to support or how they could vote if something completely new comes up. So it's, it's not something where we should sit back, but keep being engaged and keep sharing views in order to make sure that Parliament continues to represent our views as uh, new events come up and as compromises are made. Well, those are some great tips, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. Well, yes. Well, that's it for the What to Expect When You're Electing series. If you want to learn more about Canadian politics, sign up for our newsletter at samaracanada.com, follow us on social media, or email us at info at samaracanada.com.